welcome to the Nefesh Sesh podcast. I'm Amy. And I'm Kathy. Nefesh, which is the title of our show, is an extension of a few of our favorite things that we like to do together as friends. We like to study the Bible together and learn as much as we can about how to become healthier humans so that we can better love the other humans in our lives. We invite you to join us as we learn and practice. The music in the background is from our friend Ben Strawn. Ben is an incredibly talented singer-songwriter out of Chattanooga. You can listen to Ben's music on your favorite streaming platform and go give him a follow on Instagram or Facebook at Ben Strawn Music. All right, we are back with our Enneagram and Friendship series that we're doing, and we are here today with two very unique, very special guests, Stephanie and Ben, and we're excited to get to talk to them and just get... um, a little bit in their brains about what it's like to be an Enneagram type four and just kind of hear some of their story. So before we get rolling, we will go back over some basics like we've been doing every time about this Enneagram type. Enneagram type four is called the individualist. Their orientation to time is the past. So they're spending time thinking about the past. Their passion is envy, which we'll talk more about a little bit later. It's not necessarily what it sounds like on the surface. Uh, Their wings, of course, are three and five, so those are the numbers on either side of them. Their need is to be oneself. Uh, When they're feeling secure or they're in security, uh, they move more towards a type one and become more principled or objective thinking. In non-security, they're moving more towards a type two, and they might become over-involved or clinging. Um, Their lost childhood message that they want to hear is, you are seen for who you are. Yes, so let's talk about envy. So, you know, she mentioned that envy for the fours does not necessarily mean jealousy, because jealousy is you know, coveting what other people have. So envy here for the fours is based on what's missing or a longing for what the four may not have. So, but however, fours can be jealous of their loved ones if they show affection or are with other people because they often fear abandonment. There are fewer fours than any other type. And the top fours can be considered the most complex of all the types. So I know we mentioned earlier, six, type six is the most common type. There's more sixes in the world than than any other Enneagram type. And there's fewer fours than any other Enneagram type. Fours crave authenticity from a relationship and can easily detect when someone is not being genuine. So we'll talk about that. See if you guys, if that's true for you both. Um, when you, when anyone is in a tragedy or you're hurting, um, there's no better Enneagram type to have with you than a four because they won't try to fix your pain or provide advice, but will simply listen and just be present with you and walk with you in the narrow places of life. Fours make excellent leaders because they're so interested in relationships and relationships are the absolute most important thing to a four. So as always, we love the Enneagram because we get an inside out view of our people and it just brings so much compassion to our relationships with each other. So let's, uh, I'm going to let our guests introduce themselves. Just tell us um, what you do and a little bit about yourself and and your family. Who do you want? (laughs) Do you want to go first? I I guess I'll go Go first because I talk first. Um, My name's Ben. 
uh, Ben Strawn. I don't know if I need to say my last name, but uh, I am 26 years old. I live in Cleveland, Tennessee, not Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, I graduated from Lee University a few years ago. And I um, am a social media, or I'm a social media content writer for like a social media marketing company. So I work full time doing that. I write like Facebook posts and blog posts all day long. So that's fun. And then when I'm not doing that, I'm a musician as well. Um, I came out with my first album this year, and which seems like it was a lifetime ago because of COVID, but it was only, it was this year. And um, yeah, I also have my own podcast called The Strong Cast. My wife and I started um, just talk, our slogan is uh, regular people talking about regular things. And uh, that's basically all it is. You're not so. really regular, though, being. <laughs> that's, that's what they say, I guess. You're so extra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Stephanie. Um, my name is Stephanie, and thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm glad to be here. Um, <laughs> I am a high school English teacher, and this year I'm teaching art for the first time. And um, it is weird this year. You know, everything has gotten crazy, but um, I, we're dealing. And um, I do have two grown kids, um, so I'm much older than 26. I have a daughter who is 22 almost, so, um, and I have a daughter who is 19. And um, they just moved out of my house in June. Wow. And I thought I was going to be like so sad about it, but it was right after the quarantine when we were all together for a very long time. And I was like, I was a little more ready after that. <laughs> um, but they're living together in an apartment and I just hope they don't kill each other. Um, yeah. Are they in Chattanooga? No, they're in Cookville. Okay, Haley's they're at, in Cookville. Haley's at Tech. And, uh, okay. Yeah. Amy, here's a fun fact. Stephanie and I are related. I did not know that. Yeah, and I don't know why. <laughs> like, I, don't, I mean, I knew that. I just haven't thought about it. <laughs> yeah. Are we second cousins? Um, I don't know how that works. That always confuses me, how to figure out, like, what is a second cousin and what's all the yeah. first removed and all that stuff. But, I mean, once removed. So your second cousin is your cousin's kid. Okay. Okay. Right. Well, let me tell you the we're brothers, right? Yes. My your dad was my dad's uncle. Oh, so that's closer than was, you're describing. Wait, no. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was I thought they were first cousins. Oh, wait. What? Yes. Yes, okay. yes. You're right. You're so right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So my dad and your dad were first cousins. Yes. So that makes us. I have no idea. Uh, that sounds like second cousins. Second cousins. What I would have said yeah. before I got on. The yeah, the kids okay. of the first cousins. So that would be, yeah, the next one down. Yeah, that's, so we're second that's, cousins. That's great. Kathy, you've been um, distantly related to a few of our guests so far. <laughs> distantly related to yeah. small town. Small world. Yeah. Hey, Stephanie, what was your first degree in? I know before you started teaching, what were you doing before that? I got a degree in English. 
Okay. So you had a degree in English. Okay. And then I got married um, while I was still in college. And then I had Bailey two weeks before graduation. So, <laughs> um, so I stayed home. And um, so this teaching thing is just kind of very new and my, um, you know, second chance at doing something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, we're certainly glad to have you serving our kids. That's for sure. I'm loving it. Yeah. That's awesome. And I'm so excited too, because this is our first number or our first type in the heart triad, which is more relational. So I'm really excited to just hear about y'all's um, perspective on all this stuff. So um, can you tell us a little bit about how you found the Enneagram and how you settled on your type being a type four? Whoever wants um, to go first. I guess, I guess I'll, well, I guess I'll go first for the remainder so we don't have to keep wondering. <laughs> um, it's a nice system. Yeah. Um, well, actually, Kaylee and I, we, we knew about the Enneagram, um, but so we didn't do it until it was our first, we've been married for four years now, and it was our first anniversary, and we were pretty poor, so we didn't get each other, um, presents so we just decided to buy the ten dollar version of the enneagram as our <laughs> present <laughs> and uh so we did that and um yeah it was great i i uh i identified more as a four but technically my score was tied between a three and a four i was like 21 for both of them and uh my next one i think was a nine which was 18 or something like that but they're all really close. And, um, but yeah, I definitely um, see myself more as, as the individualist. And I think my negative sides coincide a lot more with what the four experiences. Mm. Um, and Kathy, it's funny when you were saying, um, there's no better person to have whenever you're going through something than a four. When, when Kaylee and I would get in arguments like, early on in our relationship it was always because I was like trying to fix something it was like the obvious it was like the, the opposite side of that because like I I felt I guess I felt like tension and I didn't want to have to deal with someone else's because I always already deal with my own so it was just like oh let's just you know kind of move on and fix this and uh, so I actually had to learn how to um just take other people's uh pain and become more empathetic it wasn't like a natural Thing for me also my parents were really bad at talking about anything whenever I was growing up so I think that has a lot to do with it but um yeah anyway side note but that's how I found the Enneagram and we did it on our anniversary and it's been great we really learned a lot more about each other that day so what's the ten dollar what what resource are you talking about it was just the Enneagram Institute one oh, um, yeah mm -hmm. yeah and it, it was just a lot longer explanations and stuff I don't know but mm -hmm. And a lot more of like the triads and all that kind of thing, but that I, that stuff still kind of confuses me. But we we did it. So you probably, I bet you have a three wing. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. and I would think that would be necessary, being doing what you're doing with music, and you know, having to kind of like be driven, driven and mm -hmm. advocate for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't, uh, I don't like doing that, but that is a part of me that 
I'm, I'm thankful for that because especially now, like when I can't play shows or anything like that, I have to keep myself motivated to write and to listen to good music and that kind of thing. So, and if someone else is doing well, like if they're like posting a bunch of stuff on social media and releasing songs and they're all going over well, I feel like I have to compete. So it like pushes me to like write something better or, you know, that kind of thing, like the competition side. So I think it's, I'm thankful for my free wing. So. <laughs> what about you, Stephanie? How'd you find the Enneagram? I was not familiar with it until um, an in-service day. But um, I was very interested in like the Myers-Briggs test and I had taken that and um, INFP. So, um, and I knew you know, I, I did read later that they do match up with each other, you know, the four and the INFP. Um, and, uh, and I, ha I have always been interested in these, um, you know, these personality tests. I just wasn't familiar with this one. And, um, and yeah, the first time I took it, it was kind of divided between a four and a six. But um, I I took, I've taken several since then, and it usually um, tells me I'm a four, and I feel like, I feel like that's what I am. Yeah, when we were uh, thinking about people to have on, and Kathy was like, Stephanie's a four, and I was like, of course, that makes so much sense, like, you're so unique and creative, and like, I just think there's something really beautiful about type fours, and you know, especially in education, I think that's such a unique mm -hmm. um, perspective to bring because there aren't a lot of type fours in our experience in in our education system um and so that's really valuable i think especially when you're thinking about the influence that you have on students you know yeah mm -hmm. I, I do enjoy bringing um new things you know i don't like doing the same kind of lesson every day i get so bored and i know they get bored i was like if i'm bored with this they're definitely going to be bored so I'm trying to find ways to gamify it or to um, just to make it a little more interesting and sometimes I spend too much time uh, with that part and then I have to run and catch up getting the material stuck in there and all my creative stuff so um, because I do tend to get obsessive about the the creative parts like I've, I'm creating a presentation or now that I'm doing recordings and I've got like green poster board up on my wall so I can do a green screen so I can put like a unicorn flying over my head and the video or something and I'm like not necessary for uh, education but but all of that matters I think you know uh it matters to kids and yeah I just feel like it'll be something a little different maybe catch their attention at least for a, a couple of minutes yeah well we want to keep them coming back so we have to provide some form of entertainment right because they're gonna get it <laughs> elsewhere for sure all right so Ben you touched on um having that strong type three energy too. So I would imagine that you probably lean, lean on that wing more than a five, maybe, even though, you know, we probably draw from both sides, but Stephanie, um, do you know, kind of, have you thought about which of your wings is most dominant, either a three or five? Five. 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 Yeah. Um, what? sorry what is what is a five again i always forget that one sure so fives are interested in 
like most everything. They want to learn absolutely all they can. Uh, they're called the Epicure because they kind of um, hoard information. Um, mm. They are they want to be the kind of the the holder of all the knowledge. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, the courses that Amy and I've taken, um, we, we took courses from Suzanne Stubill. She's called like the godmother of the Enneagram. And so she suggests that you have, um, one wing for like the first half of your life or midlife, whenever midlife is for, for people, which is different. And then you have another wing for the second part of your life. You're always kind of tapping into both, but, but one can be stronger at a different season of your life than another. So, but, but I've got lots of questions for you guys about like where you move and stress and, and where you, and I may be jumping ahead of the game, but um, I'm just thinking about, you know, do you ever see yourselves moving to, um, your stress points or your growth points, you know, do you ever see yourself as a one or do you ever see yourself as a two? That I definitely do. There was, there was a time uh, when Kaylee's dad, like he hurt himself really bad and had to go to the hospital and Kaylee's a one and I'm four. And so we flip to each other when we're in stress. So when that happened, she was like all worried and stressed out and just sat on the couch and like couldn't do anything. But then I went into the kitchen and started like putting the dishes away frantically. <laughs> so it's like, uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely go to that because um, even with when we've had sick family members and things like that, like I always want to go like get people coffee or, or that kind of thing, like um, do something rather than sit with the person if i'm stressed out mm, so that might be the two uh like in times yeah, of stress so. yeah uh -huh. yeah what about you stephanie i think possibly two i don't ever see me as a one um i'm very i have problems with um you know keeping myself disciplined and and um you know, when I'm stressed, I kind of just, um, but it depends if it's my stress. Um, I kind of just retreat and I feel a little paralyzed and, um, like I'm, I don't take any action. You know, there are things, there are even small steps that I could take and it just feels like I can't take them. I'm just, you know, I just, and I make it worse, of course. Um, but when it's somebody else's stress, I mean, I do feel maybe more like a two, you know, if somebody around me is, is going through something, I feel like maybe I can, um, you know, gravitate toward that a little, but. Yeah. And all those points of energy, whether they're in stress or in growth or our wings or whatever, I mean, they're all there to balance us. You know, we can tap into those, you know, when we need them, just like, you know, when you were talking about Kaylee being, you know, when her dad was, was, hurt I think you said he had an accident or was injured I think um so yeah we need that space when we can like get ourselves together and act and Stephanie you probably tap into that more than you think I mean I think about it in a classroom full of kids and lots of kids you know you've got to have some of those qualities to be able to function and get grades in and I'm, I'm thinking more about like personal you know like 
um, you know, my, I kind of consider that a separate, a separate life. <laughs> and um, I do behave differently there. And I do feel like maybe I do tap into to that more when I'm at work, you know, and, and that kind of thing. But I'm talking about mainly my own stresses, like if I've got something personal going on is when I um, retreat and um, just have trouble making any moves. Yeah. And, and that's, that's some characteristics of a four for sure. Okay. So let's, what, what do you value most in your relationships? Um, man, for me, I think a lot of it just has to do with like honesty and consistency and like transparency. Those are like all the C words, but, um, I think like, and I didn't used to be a super honest person whenever I was like in high school or early college, but I started really growing into that a lot more. And um, yeah, I, I think when you were saying that four is kind of like are the bloodhounds with like uh, knowing someone that's that has integrity or is being fake or something like that. I think I definitely have that. And that kind of taps into the whole spiritual uh, gifts things that, that we're going to talk about later, I guess, too. But um, I just really want to feel like I can be myself with someone. And I really want that person to feel like they can be themselves with me, too. Because I feel like if, if you're having to put on an act or think about what you're going to say around someone that's like a close friend, then you're never really going to get that close or have a really long-lasting friendship with them. Um, so like, um, just being able to be honest and also being consistent is really important to me in friendships. Can you talk about that a little bit? What that means, what consistency means to you? Um, well, in the, um, the, the friendship types that was in y'all's questionnaire, it was like the utility, the perfect, and, uh, I can't remember the other one, but for me, like perfect friendship I think is like what I crave because like obviously relationships aren't going to be perfect but I want even if we if I lose touch with someone or if I get busy during a season like I want that person to reach out to me and if that person starts like losing contact with me I want to reach out to them so it's really just about like not losing touch because yeah. I think a lot of people, that happens in a lot of friendships. You're just friends with someone for a time, and then it goes away. And um, I value the opposite of that more so, I think. What about you, Stephanie? Obviously, you know, loyalty. And um, I also need, I need a lot of reassurance sometimes. You know, I can maybe. Yeah, same. <laughs> and I think, um, oh, they hate me. And... <laughs> you know, and every, and I feel like I'm super intuitive, but sometimes I think maybe I'm just being oversensitive and telling myself that I'm so intuitive that I can tell that they don't like what I'm saying right now, or they think I'm stupid. So, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of that, I'm probably, you know, just using my own anxiety and telling myself that's my wonderful intuition that I have. And, and it's not, um, I hope. Yeah. You might be, I don't know. But um I also I like 
being able to talk to somebody without having to, um, I have a really dark sense of humor sometimes and a really weird sense of humor. And, and sometimes I feel like um, I'll say something and everybody will just stop talking and it's like, <laughs> and they just look at me and I'm just, I, I feel like, it, you know, I, I want to have a friend that gets me and that, um, mm-hmm. that I don't have to stop and explain why that was a funny joke or why, uh, you know, why I said that. And um that's something that it's, it's very tiring sometimes to have a conversation with somebody when you have to censor yourself or you have to worry about everything you say, or you have to assure them that you didn't mean that that was a joke. That was, that was sarcasm. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's, that's something that's important to me. Um, and, um, like I said, reassurance. So is that something that you, um, can kind of gauge right away? with people like oh they're on the same wavelength as me um or does that take time to just kind of like uh learn I mean about- I feel like it doesn't take long uh but sometimes I'm holding back because you know if I don't know somebody well and I don't know how they're gonna take it but after talking to somebody for a while you can kind of tell you know if they're if they've got that kind of sense of humor or if they're um you know gonna gonna get it and um I don't think it takes too long um you know, as long as you're having like friendly, personal conversations, if you only talk to somebody like in a work context, it's, it's, it's hard to know, but, um, but yeah, once you're really talking to somebody, I don't think it takes very long to figure that out. So you both talked about intuition. So can you tell me, and this is off script, can you tell me a little bit about where that intuition is coming from is that a gut intuition is it from your brain do you think it's like the holy spirit tell me what you think about that well i think a lot of it is probably what stephanie was saying for me is like it's almost being for i think i definitely it's it's more of like a gut intuition but at the same time it's probably stemming from like just being cynical like thinking that the person thinks the worst or in my, and I'm, I'm more of a negative person as well. Like I'm pretty, pretty cynical guy when it comes down to things, but, um, but at the same time, I'm right a lot of the time about those kinds of things. And so it's like, it's probably a little bit of both. Like, I think I can be a little bit too, um, assuming of people's moods and like, um, thoughts and actions and those kinds of things but then um i guess what is my greatest strength is my greatest weakness sometimes mm. so. very cynical um yes i'm very cynical especially and this is going to sound horrible but especially of female friendships um mm. i haven't had the best luck with that when i was younger and now i've got some friends that are like really good and I think they're you know genuine and it's taken me a while to I mean I open up you know I let them I I, I tell them things but it's like I don't feel the trust you know and um I mean I'm starting to but it's it's very hard because I am kind of cynical of especially friendships with women because they can be so competitive with each other and um but I have not seen this in these friendships that I'm talking about it's it's hard for me to ask for help or let them help me with something because I think they're going to resent me if I let them do this 
and that's my you know intuition again it's like they're just being nice they they don't really I can sense they don't really want to do this and um and that's been hard for me just to kind of accept help from friends and uh because I am you know a little cynical of that because I always feel like I can sense that somebody doesn't really want to do something Mm. that's that's funny that you say that sorry I'm going to interject here because a lot of a lot of what I've read about the four is they're very feelings based rather than like action based and so I have a big problem with that as well especially in any relationship or anything that I do uh if something's the correct choice but I don't like totally line up feelings wise with that choice I don't want to do that at all so like you're saying in a relationship, like, you know, that they don't want to help you, but they're choosing to, it's like, well, I don't even know if I want your help if you don't want to do this. Right. That's like, <laughs> I they might really want to help, but I'm telling myself that I've sensed that they don't. And that could be yeah. on my head. That is so yeah. interesting to me because I think I'm the opposite sometimes. Like if you don't, really feel like it but you're choosing to help like that speaks you know so that's so interesting mm-hmm. to me that that just having that different perspective mm-hmm. yeah it's it's definitely my Achilles heel I think and we've Kaylee and I've had a lot of conversations about that and I mean in faith as well like there's just so many times where I don't feel spiritual and so I think it's like a disservice to God if I'm not feeling a certain way but like that's not necessarily the case. And I, and I think I believe that's the case, but I don't know. I'm just, uh, I'm so reliant upon what like my spirit and what my heart feels that um, it gets me into trouble sometimes. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, I'm in the heart triad myself and it's almost like it's taken me so long to be able to put emotions aside to make good, clear decisions. Not that emotions are bad, Uh but just like you guys were saying, like you can go down this rabbit trail with this intuition, you know, and like that can be totally wrong sometimes. Like that's not the truth. And Uh yeah, it's hard. Like, like you said, Ben, that, you know, it can be a blessing and a curse all at the same time. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. So Stephanie, when you talk about female friendships, when you think about that, was it kind of the fear or, or genuinely like you had just not run across other women that you felt like were authentic or was it fear? And so then I push away. Um, no, I had some genuinely bad friends at one point um, who couldn't give a compliment without throwing an insult in and and who I could tell felt like real joy when something bad happened and um, and um, and I just don't have any interest in that I mean we would have fun together when when everything was good and 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 this was like high school and college and um, but once I got out of that I just didn't really make a lot of new friends. I mean, I was home. I had the kids, um, spent time with my parents, you know, and, um, and so it's been a while since I have had these friendships. So I think maybe now I'm just kind of projecting that fear from 
before, you know, and, uh, and it's not really fair for me to, I mean, that's judgmental of me to assume that these people are going to be like they are. And I'm seeing that they're really not, these are genuine people. And, and, um, and when they offer to help me, it's because they want to help me, you know, that's, that's hard for me to get through my head. Adult relationships are tough. I think, you know, and I know Amy's going to talk about that with our next little piece. Um, so we've talked about in our past two episodes, um, especially with the sixes, we went into this uh, in a little more depth. So if you haven't heard that episode, you can go back and listen to that. But Aristotle proposed that there were three types of friendship. And we feel like this um, is one model uh, that makes sense to us. So that's why we've presented it just for conversation. But uh, so, so his three categories or types are utility friends, um, which is kind of what it sounds like, um, a friendship where you kind of help each other out, have your back if necessary, um, taking care of kids, that sort of thing, uh, taking care of each other's kids, um, neighbors maybe, um, and then pleasure friends, uh, so friends you have fun with, things like that, um, and then the perfect and good friends, which Ben referenced earlier. Um, so we're just kind of curious to hear, and you guys have touched on this a little bit, I think, already, but um, just kind of curious to hear um, maybe which of these three is the most important to you and where those other, where the other two have a place in your life, if they do at all. Does that make sense? Well, I mean, I guess you, everyone at some point wants to strive for like perfection, which would be a perfect friend, but you're never going to get that. I, that's like my ideal kind of friendship, but I think a lot of times I gravitate more to like a utility friend. Um, like, well, it's like a mixture between, uh, what was the, what's the other one? Utility? Uh, pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah. yeah it's like, um, I'll have really good friends for a short moment or like a short amount of time. And then uh, they'll move on to some different stage of life or I'll move on to some different stage of life. And then it's like, we can't really like get back to where we were. Um, but at the same time, we'll still like be friends, but it's not as close as we were for a moment. And that just like really bums me out. But I think a lot of times um, I just kind of, delve deep like head first into relationships that I know like I feel like I click with and then um only focus on that relationship and then we move on to you know something or one of us moves or something like that and then we um aren't as close but I think that those like that those categories of friendship is super true because like in pleasure pleasure friendships you have a lot of those like in college and high school like and I met with my buddy the other day. We're still really good friends, but we were just like talking about high school stories and like the people that you just like laugh with and reminisce on the past. Like those are really fun to have. Um, but I like having people in my life that I can like grow with rather than uh, move on while I'm growing. While I'm growing. 
talking about reminiscing and everything, I do tend to, um, a lot of my relationships, I feel like are based on these memories of things that happened before. And, and um, I'm like super nostalgic and, um, and um, a lot of times I feel like that is the main connection is that we have memories from before and maybe I'm afraid that's, you know, the only way we'll connect. Um, but I tend to do that even with my family, you know, every time I'm with my brother, it seems like we're just talking about, hey, you remember when we were little and we did this and we did that. And um, I'm super nostalgic. I mean, when you said something about fours being, you know, focused in the past, that's so me. I, mm -hmm. I'm nostalgic to the point of like, just feeling this homesickness and longing to kind of be there again and just this it just makes me sad you know that yeah, moments same. are gone and this is something I focus on a lot but yeah and so I feel like some friendships are kind of based on those memories and you don't grow um but with the utility friends pleasure friends and perfect friends I mean I guess I've had some that fit into one category and they kind of get promoted you know um yeah it do seem like levels out. yeah 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 it like <laughs> get promoted. And you get to know them a little better and then you start like having fun with them and then I feel like it's kind of you know moves to pleasure friends and then you know if you form a, a closer bond um perfect friends which I, I think is rare and I'd rather have like one or two perfect friends than mm -hmm. a, a dozen of the others really hmm. Yeah, it's almost like a filter that you you run people through <laughs> when you're talking about levels. To me, in my brain, it makes sense as a filter of um, kind of going through if they make it through this filter. Yeah, <laughs> I think we've all done that. I think that's just the nature of um, forming relationships is, you know, we tend to gravitate towards someone for, a, you know, to meet a need maybe, and then we kind of graduate with some people mm -hmm. to a, a next level. Yeah. So people that you're closest to, um, do you know their types, even though we're not supposed to type each other, but um, do you know their types and like in your friendships and, or, and the next question, like part B to that is, do you have a certain Enneagram type that you think you kind of really mesh with or gravitate towards? Yeah, my, um, most of my friends are sixes nines uh, my wife is a one and i have a, i don't know i have a lot of people they're all kind of all over this the place um i have a few eights that i'm friends with a few sevens a three um yeah i think the people that i get along with the best most are sixes and nines though because i feel like it with many sixes um usually most of my six friends are girls or like Kaylee's really good friends that are also my really good friends that go way back. But it's like with a six, I can get, um, I can be like kind of vulnerable and real, but we're not trying to out vulnerable each other. Mm -hmm. And so, <laughs> and so like with, with other fours, I'm not, I, it's hard for me to mesh with other people that are like individualists or whatever, because we're trying to like, out original each other it's like this weird competitive thing <laughs> but then once once i get past that then it's then it's good to go 
but um click right off the bat with people that I don't have to like overthink with and sixes I don't have to overthink myself and nines are the same way except sometimes some of my friends are that are nines are pretty passive aggressive so then I'm like worried about what they're thinking about me <laughs> without them saying it so um but yeah those are those are probably the, the two types I get along with best I think for me probably sixes um you know the security thing they kind of are prepared and and um and I think that's what my wife is um I'm pretty sure I've typed her um and um I always say um you're the Bert and I'm the Ernie when we go somewhere because like I'm the one I'm always forgetting something and then um you know I'll only to be with somebody that's packed an extra phone charger or that that will remind me to pack something or you know I'm I like having somebody that kind of balances um balances me in that way and and twos also I've got um a couple of friends that are twos and it's um I feel really reassured and um and secure you know with with that yeah my mother-in-law's a two and i feel the same way so i want to talk about this past for a second so you both said that you're really nostalgic and kind of just long for the past so tell me like on a day-to-day basis like how does that feel like <laughs> explain that to me I really don't even know how to ask the the appropriate question just I just want you guys from your perspective to explain that Stephanie you want to go first I feel like you were talking about that a little bit more okay um yeah I need to formulate my thoughts a little bit more on that day to day because um I don't know why I mean I think maybe because my kids just moved out and everything's so different and um and I've got like the, the longing for them to be little again. And, and so, you know, I'll, I'll text them or something and I'll send them a picture of, of something from a long time ago to remind them. It's like, I'm always trying to remind people, uh, Hey, don't forget that, um, I'm a lot of fun and we had fun together. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like I feel the need to, to remind people of the connection that we used to have so that it doesn't fade away. And, and I'm always just kind of, I, I'm always kind of sad about um, the fact that once a moment is here, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And I say things like, we're going on a vacation, but, and I'm already, before we even leave, saying, but then it'll be over mm-hmm. and we'll miss it. And we'll think, I wish I could go back, you know to write before so we would have it to look forward to and I'm already dreading missing it before it even happens and it's really hard for me to get past that it's it it does affect my ability to enjoy things in the present um I'm so afraid of losing every moment um and I'm always looking for I've got this Pinterest board that's called back in my day and it's got hundreds of like little pictures that just remind me of when I was little and um and you always tend to remember the past as better mm. than it was probably. And when I was in the past, I was probably uh, missing another time. So 
um, I have to remind myself of that and, and, you know, making new memories that I'll be looking back on. So, you know, I have to be really careful not to get caught up in that too much. Mm, I bet that's really, really challenging to navigate through. It's almost like you've got one foot here and one foot that needs to go and move ahead, but yet like you're almost teetering with that all the time. Yeah. What about you, Ben? Yeah. Um, I feel that very, very much. I mean, basically everything Stephanie says, I, I deal with that on a daily basis, but, um, yeah, I think it's a lot. Just one like example. So we got our dog, um, three years ago he's like a, we got him from the shelter he's like he was like he was six when we got him so he's nine now and we really love our dog I love he's a Australian Shepherd Border Collie mix and it, but he's like this really old like acts really old and um so I always I say to myself like I prepare for his death daily because I don't want that <laughs> to come and I'm like trying to like be like, all right, well, you know, gotta, gotta soak up this moment because it's going to be gone. And, uh, <laughs> but then I can't like enjoy him for the good dog he is. I just pre am preparing for him to die <laughs> and which is just so ridiculous. But, okay. So does, does that feel a little bit comfortable though for you guys? Like sitting in that, um, pain a little bit, Yeah. like future pain. Yeah. But sometimes a wall up a little. There's a Newt Scamander on the Fantastic Beasts movie, like the new ones. He says, like, or he says, worry is, is the way I look at it, worrying is suffering twice. And I think the same thing about nostalgia. Like, uh, it's like, I really, it really affects me sometimes. So it's like, I can't, I can't think about it too much because I think I'm doing myself a service by preparing myself for future pain but it's still going to be hard later. So why am I trying to feel it now? And um, so, yeah, I think uh, nostalgia is a big thing, but it's also just brings out, it brings out beautiful moments too, because like, especially for me as a songwriter, I go back into my memory bank and I'm able to like romanticize the past and um, that bodes well, but it also affects my ability to enjoy the, uh, the present, like Stephanie was saying. So, um, yeah, nostalgia is a big one. Um, my parents moved whenever I was uh, in college, and I drive by our old house a lot just to, like, remember how the house was, and now I'm like, oh, I hate this new house. Like, I'm resentful towards this, you know, new place. And so memories hold are, are powerful, I think, in force, but especially in Stephanie's life, I guess. Um, what you said about your dog, <laughs> this is me every day because my dog, I got her as a rescue when she was probably about six yeah. and I've had her for, I've had her for a while. Um, we think she's probably about 11. She's a chihuahua. I keep looking up lifespan. Yeah. Same. You know, dog, like, like every few days I'm looking up. 14 years for me. Just like I do, I look at her and I can start crying just looking at her and thinking about losing her. And uh, yeah, and 
and yeah, it does hamper your ability to to enjoy it. But then again, it makes you realize that, you know, like if she wakes me up in the middle of the night and wants to go out, I think to myself, someday she won't be here to, oh my gosh. Here to wake me up and I'm going to enjoy every moment of it. And so it, I think it does help you to appreciate people and relationships sometimes. Yeah, and I think there's a lot to be said about being able to like savor that. But it sounds like that's a choice maybe that you have to make. Like I can either um think about this and wallow in what could be or what might be or I can use this as an opportunity to to really savor this moment, which I think is really sort of a superpower too, you know. This this is going to sound super like try hard but I got I my mom has like an old um film camera (laughs) and I went into her I got one out of the garage and like found the right battery for it's like one of those that like self-winds the film and uh so I started taking pictures on it and so we could print them out and man that has been great like because I want to my thought is is it's not really to it's not to be hipster but it's like to so that way whenever i'm like you know 50 years down the road or whatever i can remember like just have physical evidence of like the time just like everyday moments yeah yeah um so that's been good for me because before i started doing that i was like really worrying about time going by and how I was getting older and that kind of thing. And so now it's like, I can, uh, remember better, uh, and feel like I didn't miss out on those moments. Mm. So if we're looking for holiday gifts for a four, (laughs) (laughs) maybe a Polaroid camera, (laughs) I'm just, I'm going to tell you, I am just blown away. I'm absolutely blown away. And let me tell you why it's like, we've spent all this time learning about all these Enneagram types and all the characteristics and all that. And it's just so crazy to me that we bring you two together. You know, you don't know each other, you know, and, and that you like share the same soul. It's, it's just, it, that's just crazy to me. Uh, It's just amazing. Um, (laughs) Yeah. All right, so we had you guys take a spiritual gift survey, and so can you share with us what your top listed spiritual gifts were and tell us um, how you think that kind of fits into your life with your type? Yeah, mine is, um, so the top one is knowledge, then it goes wisdom, discernment, teaching, helping, and then interpretation of tongues. We, we took the right, that's the right one, right? Yes. Yeah, it's the right one. Okay, right. Um, it's yeah. So my top one is knowledge, but I I I think it's more like, man, I haven't taken a a test like this in forever because whenever I went to Lee, it was like a requirement for a lot of uh, freshmen because it's a church god school, and so it's a requirement for a lot of us to figure out what our spiritual gifts were. But, um. I think the knowledge thing is like the same thing as like having an intuition about what someone's thinking. Like it's probably just me being skeptical or cynical most of the time, but 
then again, I also am like really affected by like real like stories of people's life and like how they live. Like I think about, this is probably good, like might not be a great example, but like someone like Shia LaBeouf, like Shia LaBeouf is this crazy guy. And, but he's like, I really love his story because um, there's a lot of people I feel like in maybe in, in celebrities, but just like in real life that are too scared to like, um, go all the way with what like um their demons are and um he like did that and then like came rose from the ashes and was like started getting this together and i find that really like impactful because i've uh i, I don't know he just like was brave and felt it all and it seems more romantic than it probably is but um, I think for me, I'm just a lot more impacted by people's like life and um, like true belief of what they claim to believe. And um, not so much what you say, but like what is actually in there. I don't know. I don't know if that made any sense, but it's like I can feel um, your your spiritual beliefs kind of thing. Mm, which goes back to that authenticity, you know? Mm. Um, Stephanie, what about you? What was your... Um, knowledge, and I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> um, and the second was compassion. Um, the third, exhortation. So I think with the knowledge, you know, some of the questions were asking about, like, if you can tell if somebody's... Um, you know, speaking the truth and stuff like that. And I think that goes back to that intuition thing. Um, and uh, the compassion, you know, I, I try to, I am, um, I, I consider myself pretty sympathetic and empathetic, um, sometimes too much. Uh, sometimes I let it cloud my judgment, but um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's something that I mean obviously I want to be compassionate but uh, that can be that can be a negative sometimes if it's too if you let it uh, take over and uh, overwhelm your your intellect mm. or something you know yeah to go off of that sorry um, I think that that is very much true for me as well, because while I may say that I am intuitive about someone's beliefs, I'm not very intuitive about my own. And so like one thing that another is, another thing that is like um, a big strength and weakness is like, I can see everyone's side of the story or see why they believe something or why they think this or why they said that. And so I'm like, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that yeah, I agree with that. And then I'll like adopt this thing that someone else said as my own thing. And then still not really know why I'm believing that, but I've, I've latched on to this like good idea. And um, I think it's like kind of, I don't know if this is exactly how you were saying it, Stephanie, but it's like just this compassion to this, I like to someone else. It's like, you want to feel what they feel. So you're going to take that up on for yourself. 
um, but you really deep down might feel differently, but it, it's like you're, it's like all these feelings cloud your real feelings or like your real judgment. And um, I mean, gosh, like everything political now is, is that way for me. Like on Facebook, I'm like, yeah, you know, and it, that's why I have to stay off of it because it's really toxic for me. But like, um, it's just, it's hard for me to, to feel really super concrete in my religious beliefs and political beliefs and things like that because I see um, it's more of like what I experience that informs my belief than like what I read. Yeah, and I, I get that. Um, you know, sometimes I'll think I have my mind made up about something and then I will see somebody make a really good point mm-hmm. and I'll think that's a really good point. And I see why they feel that way. And sometimes even if I don't agree with it, I'm able to say, okay, yeah, I I can see why you have that opinion. I'm still, still over here with mine, but I can totally get that. And um, sometimes I get upset with people who, you know, they say because they stand by certain um, beliefs on issues, you know, they, they're like, I'm never changing my mind on this. But I was like, if you see, somebody point out something that's going to reveal um you know reveal a crack in what you're believing like why wouldn't you explore that mm-hmm. and um, yeah yeah sometimes it does make you doubtful of your own beliefs i think but i think I, that's I think, go ahead sorry i, I was feeling this think, i think it's good to be like open-minded um you know because if you don't learn and don't, you know, if you're committed to never change your mind on anything, you're never going to learn and grow, I think. I, I mean, I think that's what Psalms is in the Bible, you know, because it's like most of it is like, there's so many of those where David is just like lamenting and just like, is just annoyed at what God's doing. And uh, there was a moment when uh, I used to lead worship and uh, there was a song that I w- was choosing to sing for the youth. And it was... Uh, let your love fall down. Uh, and my, my director was like, you shouldn't say that because that's implying that God's not, God's love isn't already, isn't here. Like having to ask for that is, is bad. And I was like, have you not read the Bible? (laughs) Like that's, isn't that what praying is, is like asking God to do something that you know that he had, he's capable of doing, but you're, you're yearning for that for him to intervene in this moment and so I, anyway i had to change my the lyric to oh your love falls down but this is me just being annoyed but like um i don't even know why i said that but i was just like i think yeah gosh but it's like i um what why did i say that stephanie I said that as a response to something you said, but now I can't even remember why. (laughs) Anyway, that's stupid. Sorry. You're living in the past. (laughs) I don't know. I was just going to (laughs) say, no, it wasn't stupid. It sounds like you needed to get that out. Um, (laughs) I was going to say the other side of that coin, you're talking about it, it clouding your judgment, but from my perspective, especially when it comes to um, 
sort of discord. I, I think that what you're saying about being able to absorb uh, and understand someone else's point of view and experience um, is really can be really powerful for making peace, you know. Um, and I don't know that I would have known that about until I talked to you guys about fours that uh, of that opportunity for I think about that with nines, but um, I don't know that it's as genuine with nines um, as it is with you guys. Um, so I, I think that that's really significant. And um, we talked about there not being very many fours, and it makes me kind of wish that we had more, um, especially in a culture where we're so uh we can be so driven by fear and and stuff so i think that that's you know uh, while it maybe didn't show up on your spiritual gifts inventory um i think that that's a gift to be able to empathize and and bring people together and i mean even if it's just you and that other person connecting and providing peace and uh connection there yeah I think Stephanie, the reason right. I said that is because you you said if you find a flaw in your beliefs, why wouldn't you explore that? And so what I was saying is like David was exploring his beliefs, and th that ultimately made him a stronger person. And so for me, that's what I want to do in religion is is explore my dark corners or whatever, so that way I can really feel it. Yeah, and I don't think I I think. David probably was a Enneagram type four, if we know anything about his writings. <laughs> yeah, probably so. But you know what, Ben, you know, um, and I think we can probably say this for all of us, even though we're all kind of in different generations, but we're not raised to really explore those dark parts. I don't think in the church, uh -huh. at least, um, you know, um, those things are bad you know, that's how it's mm -hmm. viewed. And, and then oftentimes, you know, ideas and thoughts are so polarized and it sounds like fours have the ability to uh, bring that polarity mm -hmm. together in the middle. And that's a, that's a great gift. So a lot of, you know, what you said, Ben is, is for other people is based on how their environment and how they have been taught mm -hmm. themselves. Uh, just like, let love fall down and or or not or whatever you had to change the lyrics to you know um it's probably based on a prior prior belief yeah. or teaching i just think it's a shame um for people in general because um my my parents are split up now and a lot of that i think is just due to because they couldn't communicate or couldn't um bring up their their qualms in like a healthy way to each other and I feel that if people could just like embrace this messy side or like unkempt side of themselves, like the world would be a much better place. Like it's gonna be harder to delve into your insecurities and things like that, but it's gonna be very worth it in the end for everyone involved um, to do a little soul searching sometimes. And um, Yeah, I feel like I'm on a soapbox, but. Well, I guess that's why, you know, you both said that like one or two people and you need them to be super real and authentic and you need them to be more like perfect and good friends so you can 
feel comfortable with that vulnerability that you so crave, you know, from yourself and from others. So that makes, that makes perfect sense. Gosh, we all need to be close to a four. Yeah. All right. So tell us, we're at the end of our episode. Tell us how you've been brave or courageous lately. And I know you've come on a podcast that's pretty brave. <laughs> well, it is brave and courageous for me to be here because I don't, I, I get nervous speaking in front of people, but also um, I am, I did change um, classes this year and, um, and sometimes change is, is hard for me. Sometimes I crave change because I get bored, but then, um, then sometimes I need the security. It, it, I flip-flop, you know, between those two. And, um, and I was teaching freshmen and now I'm teaching seniors and I'm teaching art. And that was, um, a little scary. It's still a little scary. Um, but I love it. And I think it was the right decision and, um, it's going great. I mean, as great as it can go, considering everything that's going on right now, teaching art digital, you know, in digital all the time and virtual that's a challenge um I had all these lessons planned that I worked on over the summer mm. and uh they're useless now <laughs> but but um I still I'm still enjoying it and making the best of it um man I I really don't feel like I've been that brave lately um I've been holed up in my house for a while but um a couple nights ago um I was we share a driveway with our neighbors and we're friends with them. And I was, we, I was over there watching like the election results and I left at like 11 and then our neighbor's dog down the street had got out. And uh, so I spent my night trying to chase this dog down and um, Kaylee ended up, she was like ready for bed, but then she got, I called her and told her where I was. She got in the car and came and uh, wrangled me and the, me and the dog we got, both of us got in the car and then we drove to our neighbor's house and dropped the dog off. But usually when I, if I see a dog loose, I'm like, oh man, I, I don't know if I can, you know, like, it just feels really hard for me to intervene. <laughs> but on Tuesday, I, I chose to intervene and uh, it worked out well for all involved. <laughs> so what time did you get finished with your dog catching duties? It was only about 30 minutes. It wasn't oh, good. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking hours and hours you're chasing this dog no, around the neighborhood. I was, I was prepared for that. We live on like a main road. And so it was really scary because there was cars coming by and the dog was running on the road a bunch. And I was out in the road and <laughs> there, I ran over to like a funeral home and like all these kinds of things. And I chased her into a field and on someone else's lawn and, wow. uh, Man, it was. Then it, it sounds was like you've got your next song written. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, but we got her. Um, we got her. That's great to hear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of that, um, we do you want to tell us a little bit? You told us about the podcast you're doing with Kaylee, uh, the Strawn Cast. So we'll link that. Um, so I know that you you released a new song recently uh that has been like in my head like I, it's very much um like repeated in my head I, I don't know it's easy for me to remember um 
uh, but you and you released your Sea and Color album this year. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so tell us, like, tell people where they can find your music um, and how they can support you. Uh, yeah, you can find it anywhere on Spotify, Apple Music, all the different streaming sites. Um, it's also on Bandcamp, which is a which is a great way to support me monetarily if you choose to do so. Because on Bandcamp, if you choose to buy an album or a song like that, uh, artists get the biggest like cut from any other. Uh, whereas if if you stream on Spotify, each artist gets, I think I get point zero zero seven cents per stream, <laughs> which is like really low. Um, but it's still it's the best way to listen to music now. So. Uh, but it's just Ben Strawn, uh, Straw with an N is how you spell my last name. Uh, but yeah, I came out with Seeing Color in January, um, and then COVID hit in March. I played one show after Seeing Color was out, and uh, so it just kind of felt like it, it's only been out for a couple weeks, <laughs> but also feels like it came out like three years ago. Um, and then I came out with Slow Living is, pro- is the one you're talking about, Amy, right? Okay. Yeah, that single's out now. And I have a couple um, like love songs that I'm uh, recording at the moment. And those will probably be out in December or January. Uh, and then I'll be working on another EP next year. But um, yeah, so all that stuff is on Spotify and Apple Music. If you like folk, Americana, indie, indie kind of stuff that's that's how my music is and the strong cast is yeah just the the spot of the uh podcast that my wife and i are doing right now you can follow that on instagram at the strong cast and same with me on instagram is at ben strong music that's the best way to keep up with both of us um yeah and stephanie you want to tell them about your um your side gig my hobby (laughs) yeah your hobby it's which so we're determined to turn into a career if we have yes. anything. <laughs> yes. Um, It'd be it's awesome. so dorky, but um, online karaoke. And, uh, I'm all set up. That's why I've got a mic here already. And um, I've been doing that on um, SingSnap, Canadian site. And um, I've been on there for 10 years. And I realized I have 900 recordings. Uh, they're not all public. Very few of them are, but I save everything um, just for the nostalgia. There you so go. if you want to support <laughs> Stephanie's music, uh, you can send us <laughs> some information and we'll get that to her. <laughs> yes. I'm good. Oh, wow. You guys have been amazing. You have been absolutely amazing. I, uh, I'm still kind of reeling over it. Um, you're so unique. I love that. I love that so much. Uh, I was just going to say thanks for having us. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you for, for being brave enough to come on and um, share your story and be vulnerable with us. And um, we need so many more people like both of you. It's great. Yeah. Thank you guys just for being being you. You know, you bring so many unique things to the table. And both of you are wonderful human beings, you know. Um, so we're just glad to have you in our lives you know even though you know ben you're far away and we haven't talked in a while you know it's it's just neat to be connected with you guys because you're so unique so yeah i know you're providing a lot of love to your people that's what it's all about